Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to another episode of the How I Quit Alcohol podcast. For first-time listeners, please be aware that not all of the conversations within this podcast are suitable for children. I'd also like to add a trigger warning that sometimes the conversations can get a little heavy. We may talk about things like sexual abuse, domestic violence, drug use and alcohol use. And if you feel that that may trigger you, please do not tune in. Also, I'd like to add, if you are a heavy daily drinker, please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bunjalung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery, who makes sophisticated elk-free drinks that still have all the taste of a good time. G&T without the tears, whiskey without the wobbles, and other delicious cocktails too. Switching the ritual instead of ditching the ritual is so much easier. Stay in high spirits, keep a clear mind, head to mondaydistillery.com for more. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, she's back. She's even more beautiful than she was last time. My (laughs) darling, gorgeous friend, Lyndall Hunt. How are you? I'm great, darling. I'm great. I'm very happy to be back. How are you? I'm amazing. I've had the best day. I got up, I did a Joe Dispenza meditation about five o'clock this morning. And then I went on the beach and I ran. I've been doing a bit of running. I don't know if we call it running. Let's that's probably a bit generous, probably a bit more <laughs> jog, walk, jog, walk. Right. Right. But I was listening to John Farnham, Chain Reaction. Oh yeah. Just good love one. Farnsy. I fucking love him. <laughs> and I just want people to know I'm listening to. I don't care if you think I'm daggy. Like I want to yeah. have a t-shirt going, I'm listening to Farnsy right yeah. now. I love yeah. It. Own it. Yeah. Love it. Oh, I just love it. And then I went for a big bike ride, still listening to Farnsey. 
<laughs> yes. Then I got a text from Kate Fleming, one of the great one of the grads, and we're not talking about Farnsy. It's been a real Farnsy morning. Oh, been a very Farnsy morning. Yep. Then took the my daughter Aria for her soccer game and then was standing next to Chris Hemsworth at the soccer as you do. And I'm just like, what? This day is great. Anyway, so so far so good. And now I get to see your beautiful face, which is even more awesome than looking at Chris Hemsworth's beautiful face. <laughs> wow. I mean, come on, that's a big statement. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I mean, I'm looking can... at your face too, but I mean, if it was, you know, you and Chris Hemsworth, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know which you'd pick. I didn't even put my eyebrows on for you today too, so but you pretty look scary. Beautiful. You look beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's great to be here. It's great to be looking at your beautiful face. And I'm excited you know, to talk eyebrows. about. <laughs> I can see your eyebrows. Can you? Yeah. Might be residual from yesterday's <laughs> eyebrows. <laughs> Far out, we're going to shut up. Get on with it. They're probably everyone listening going, shut the fuck up. They're like, what are these two just having a chit chat today? We want to hear some meat. Like, we want to hear something of substance. <laughs> well, what we're talking today about, you being the, the queen of, well, actually, I'm not going to call you the queen of the relapse because that doesn't sound too good. The relapse guru, I've decided you should change your Instagram handle to. Right. What do you think of that? Well, I, yeah, I've taken a big interest in relapse, obviously. Relapse, as everyone who's heard me share before, relapse has been a very big part of my story. For the first couple of years that I was in recovery, there was a lot of relapse. And these days I'm a sober coach like you and I, and I'd have tended to work a lot more with people who have relapsed. So yeah, taking a big interest in the subject and just trying to understand what happens and why we relapse and and of course then working with people to to get them back on track but I think I'm really excited to talk about this topic today because I think a lot of people really don't understand that the drinking is actually not about the drinking the drinking is a solution to the living problem the drinking is it's a band-aid for the pain it's there to, we use it to soothe, we use it to as a coping mechanism it's actually not about the drinking at all And so what we're going to talk about today are the the stages of the relapse because I want to talk about what actually happens before the point of picking up a drink because there's a lot that goes on between uh, like prior to picking up a drink. Oh, absolutely. And it's so important what you just said. It's really the alcohol or whatever the addictive substance is, is not really the problem. I mean, that's the problem. We need to remove it because we've created those pleasure response pathways in the brain and so that kind of means that if you've had a bad relationship with it it's kind of always there waiting for you but Mm -hmm. it's always about like it's not so much about getting rid of the booze but it's trying to figure out why you need the booze in the first place or why you need that addictive substance in the first place it's the I guess the intent of the the drinking that needs to be tackled to think about yeah why why am I doing this but absolutely so what I find interesting about relapse is that People give themselves such a hard time about it if they have had a relapse. Mm-hmm. But I say to anyone, anytime, always, that it is a greatest teacher. If you've relapsed, don't go throw it all away just because you've had a slip up. I'd say just don't worry, just get back on the horse again and try and learn something from it. There's so mm-hmm. much to learn from the relapse. Like what was going on for me? What was I trying to avoid? There would be something there, something that you're trying to avoid. I don't like even if you think it's just because you're trying to have fun. There'll be something there. So, yeah, getting to the bottom of that. And then also, like, probably what we're going to get into now is about what leads up to that point, though, where we kind of lose that commitment that we've had because we all start with this great commitment and this intent to stop. But then I guess 
when the commitment starts to wane and we start to go off track. So what you're going to talk to us and work, work us through today, and I'm sure I'm going to pipe in a bit here as well, is the three stages of relapse. Yeah. So I think this is a really important conversation that we're having and looking forward to hearing what people have to say about this. So yeah, tell us about absolutely. the first the first step, Linda. What's the first step would you say that would cause someone to start leading into relapse? Mm. Yeah, so great follow-on from that episode that we did talking about the feel-good trap because this is what commonly happens. We come into recovery, we've got all this resolve, we've got all this commitment, all this determination to get well. We either do a program like How I Quit Alcohol or we join AA or we do, well, you know, whatever it is, whatever the program is. Even sometimes, you know, people just trying to do it by themselves. They, sometimes they can go through that the early days just working on their own willpower and their own commitment. And then like we talked about in the last episode, what happens is we get to a point where we feel like life's going great. I'm feeling really good. My relationships are repairing. My finances are probably looking a bit better. Work situations are looking better. I've got better relationships with the kids, all that sort of thing. And so therefore I'm good. Like I don't need to do the work anymore. And what happens at that point from whatever point you stop doing the work, so to speak, to when you pick up a drink, that can actually be a long time. It could be weeks, it could be months, could even possibly be years. But there's a lot that happens in between that time from the time we stop doing committing to a daily work to ourselves before picking up a drink. And so what actually happens at that first point when we, so we've gotten to, we've sort of in that feel good trap or that safety trap, we feel like life's going great. And so we, we're not keeping up with the work. We're not doing our daily routine. We're not doing, we maybe, it might be after some people have finished the How I Quit Alcohol Challenge and they, they're not keeping up with the daily strategies that you've taught them during the challenge. Or for those that are in AIDS, maybe they, they stop going to meetings or they stop calling their sponsor, whatever it is. And that could be okay for a little while where we might still feel like everything's okay and life's running smoothly. But what happens in, and this is a little bit of what you experienced, Danny, that you shared on the last episode, somewhere along the line, the, the thinking starts to just switch a little bit. We start getting a little bit irritable. We start getting a little bit snappy with the partner or with the kids, or we're all of a sudden finding that person who's cutting us off in the tra traffic, we're getting angry at them again. We're feeling a bit irritable. We're feeling a bit discontent. And this is really what they call the first stage is what they call the emotional relapse. So what happens in the emotional relapse is at this point, we're not thinking about drinking, right? So we're drinking is still a thought that's far away. We're not actually thinking about drinking. But just that, that the thinking has started to decline a bit and the emotional manageability is, uh, yeah, it's going a bit downhills. So some of the signs that we can recognise in this emotional relapse stage are things like we might be starting to isolate a little bit, we might be starting to bottle up some emotions, not doing the work, we're probably bargaining with ourselves and saying we don't want to do the work or we, all of a sudden we don't have time to do the work or to commit to our daily routine, those sorts of things. And often poor self-care comes in a bit as well. Maybe we're not sleeping as well. Maybe we're not looking after ourselves as well with diet and exercise and those sorts of things. So they're sort of the signs of this emotional relapse. So at this stage, we're not thinking about drinking, but it's just that we're becoming a little bit emotionally unmanageable. We're a bit more irritable. Life's getting a bit prickly. We might be starting to get a little bit snappy. Things are pissing us off. And that's where we're sitting at the moment. And I mean... Obviously, in the last episode, we talked about you you experienced some of those things, getting a bit snappy with Ash and that sort of thing. Like I myself, like I've probably 
you know, I fall in and out of emotional relapse. I'm not going to say regularly, but it's happened like numerous times. Like it's just, it, it's, I know I can notice it pretty quickly. I know when I start getting a bit ratty, I start getting a bit irritable, people just start pissing me off again. And that's really what, that, that's the first stage is the emotional relapse. Would you say that the, even before the emotional relapse happens, there's that disconnection? Mm-hmm. It's like disconnecting from the work, disconnecting from your community or your support group or whoever that is. There's that disconnection that happens perhaps and then a bit more of an emotional relapse because we've started to disconnect from the things, then we start to, our emotions start to get the better of us and get a bit more unmanageable. We start to notice shitty behaviour. Definitely. Mm, Definitely. Mm-hmm. And look, we're only, I'm sort of I narrowed this down to three stages of the relapse today. You can actually, I think that it has been documented that there's about 11 stages of the relapse. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, just trying to keep it pretty simple for today. But definitely like mm. the sign, one of the signs is isolation. And yeah, you're right, like disconnecting mm. from disconnecting from the sober community, disconnecting from your program, disconnecting from the work. Absolutely. That's all part of it. Yeah. And the other thing I've noticed with people, and you and I've talked about this a fair bit privately, but how when you start to pick the shit out of people and start to get all judgy or judgy about your program, not to say that everything's perfect because there's always holes in everything that we do and everything that we take part in, I guess. And people give us the shits. I mean, that happens. Mm -hmm. But when you start to really get judgy on things, it gives you a good excuse to disconnect. We've talked about how Wayne Dyer says, be careful not to look for occasions for... To be offended. To be offended, that's right. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for occasions to be offended, then is that part of you just trying to keep you sick or to keep you unwell or to keep you addicted? Because I spoke to someone the other day on the phone who really needed... AA, like, like I think I spoke about this with Ben the other week, but this person was too far gone probably for me. Like they really needed quite mm. a few meetings a week and affordability wasn't there for her for me to coach her like so many times a week and or, or time for me. Mm-hmm. But AA was perfect for her because she's mm-hmm. lonely and she's isolated. And the first thing was, oh, to, to find, to pick the shit out of the AA program. And I'm like, just get over that. Mm-hmm. like move that aside and just focus on getting well, getting yourself mm-hmm. well. That's much far more important than worrying about God talk. Yeah. So we've got to watch that we don't, yeah, start. It's, it's, I just see it all the time with people when they start to, oh, I don't like that person. Oh, that person annoys me. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps you disconnected. Like, definitely. yeah, so you've got to watch that one. Definitely, definitely. got to watch that one. And I think how you view other people or how you how much other people are affecting you is a, yeah, that's a reflection on yourself, you know. Hello. That's a reflection on yourself and your yep. own spiritual condition or your own like how you feel about yourself inside. What you just said, it's a reflection of your own spiritual condition, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, because if you're not right inside, if you're not kind of doing the spiritual work and really working on that stuff, like it is a commitment as well, but that does keep us, it keeps us more compassionate towards people, compassionate towards ourselves, doing a lot of reading. Like I just can't stress enough. Go and everyone should be reading Michael Singer's book, The Untethered Soul. Mm -hmm. 100% should be on, they should put that thing in hotel rooms like they do the Bible. Uh, The Bible, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I just read that book over and over and over. It's there by my bed and pick it up and just open it anywhere and, there's a few copies in this house. So just watching, am I starting to disconnect? Ask yourself, am I starting 
in what ways am I disconnecting? So it's not just your community, it's from your daily work, from yourself, from feeling into your body, all those things. There's so many ways in which we disconnect. So that's a really important one. Can I ask you, when you last, when you had that last recent relapse, Mm -hmm. because remember I said to you, why didn't you call me? Why didn't you call me? And you weren't calling your sponsor too. Mm -hmm. You said, well, I didn't want to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So leading up to that last relapse that I had a few years ago, I mean, I was well past this point, even that I was well into the mental relapse, which we'll talk about next. But my headspace at the time was like, I don't want to call my sponsor because if I tell her how I'm feeling, she's going to tell me it's because I'm not doing the work and I don't want to do the work. Like that's what my head was telling me. But that's my addict trying to keep me unwell. And that's exactly what you were just saying before. Like if we're starting to find excuses for not being able to do the work or all of a sudden I don't have time to do my daily routine or I don't really need to do my daily routine or I don't have time to jump on the how I could alcohol graduates call every Sunday night or go to an AA meeting or do what it you know whatever program it is that you're doing like if I don't have time to do that or I don't really need it like that's you've got to tune into that stuff you've got to start listening to that stuff like you you talk about it all the time Danny and the challenges that We really need to become an observer of our thoughts and listen to this stuff that's going on in our head because when we're trying to find excuses to not do this stuff, that's our addict talking. That's Mm. that's our addict wanting to keep us unwell. And that addict is always, always, always going to want us to drink, always. Yes, absolutely. That's the sneaky bitch. You're at sneaky sneaky bitch. bitch. 100%. So when the sneaky bitch says, no, you don't need to do that, don't do the work, it's it's almost like this kind of imagining you, I don't want to do the work, like this sort of toddler throwing a tantrum. I don't want (laughs) to. Absolutely. It was 100% like that. She's just going to tell me that I'm not doing the work and I don't want to do this. You know, like that's what it was like. I don't want to do the work. 100%. And it's madness because it's insanity when you think about it because at the end of the day, this woman, you know, my sponsor or you, if I had called you, there's so many people that are there to help me, right? But in that moment, I didn't want to help. Like I wasn't and, and again, that's my addict talking. My addict didn't mm. want me to get help because my addict wants me to keep drinking. Yeah, we kicked that addict in the ass though or, and, and gave it a big hug too because you just <laughs> lent in so so hard after that. So, yeah. and in some ways it's like it had to happen. I'm sort of glad, no, I'm not glad for you that it happened, but how much you've grown even more since then because then you kind of go, right, I'm digging my fucking heels in now. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to do the stuff. So Absolutely. it's kind of, it's good. I've often said that, I mean, I've said it many times on this podcast, that last relapse that I had is the best thing that ever happened to me. Everything did change after that. Yeah, absolutely. And like that ties in with what you were saying before. People do have a lot of shame around relapse because there's a lot of shame around the drinking in the first place. And so then when people, they get sober and they might be sober for a while and all their family's really excited for them and happy for them and they might be hearing things from their family and friends like oh just really noticed a change in you and I'm really happy for you and da 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 they feel really good about themselves so then when they pick up a drink again there's a huge amount it's like the shame's almost doubled than what it was when you're just drinking because you just you feel like inside you feel like oh my god everyone's going to be so disappointed in me everyone's going to think well this is the least speaking from my own experience I was like Mm. everyone's going to be disappointed in me people are just going to think I'm a loser that I can't do anything I'm also telling myself that I can't do this. Like you're hopeless, Lindor, you won't be able to do this. There's a lot of negative self-talk going on in there. So there's a huge amount of shame around trying to 
come back from that. And that's why we yeah. see a lot, like I see it in AA all the time, and we've also seen it within the How I Quit Alcohol community, like people go out and relapse and they they lose touch. They don't want to yeah. speak to you because they, it's, there is a huge amount of shame around there. Yeah. And there doesn't need to be because everyone in the sober community is just so grateful to see people come back, you know, like that's totally. what we want is like if you've had a slip up, that's okay. Just come back. We're here. We're ready for you with open arms. Slip up. Come back to the cult. But again, <laughs> come back to the cult. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The cult's here ready and waiting for you. But again, all of that negative self-talk, all of that shame, all of that guilt in the head is just the addict talking. It's the sneaky bitch. It's telling you that people are going to be disappointed in you so that you'll keep drinking. Oh, 100%. There's a great chapter in Luke Snooski's book, In Summer Wise, called Radical Self-Acceptance. And that's a really important chapter in that book about relapse. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. And just how the shame cycle keeps us stuck in that same old cycle. It's just like it just does. So as soon as you're feeling shame about it, you may as well just keep drinking because you, like you, it doesn't help you at all to be mm-hmm. stuck in that shame and just, oh, I feel so bad and at this pity party that we can have for ourselves if we have had a relapse because I've heard it from people. The first thing I would say to anyone is just let go of that, let go of that. This is a great opportunity to learn, like yeah. move forward from that and just having complete like compassion for yourself. Maybe you needed it at that point for a reason, for whatever reason you couldn't manage, you couldn't soothe yourself in any other way. So you did it. Okay. Get up and get on with it. It's done. Exactly. Yeah. Or maybe it's just that you need to learn a lesson. Maybe totally. there's just a lesson in here for you. Like I did, because I'd had 19 months sober prior to that last relapse and I wasn't working my program very well. I wasn't well. I wasn't recovering in that time. I was still very unwell in my thinking. So I needed to have that relapse. I needed to have that relapse to, for mm. everything to change. Yeah, that's right. So, it, yeah, for people listening, I think, and if you have experienced this, just don't let it stop you. Let it teach you and keep moving forward 100%. And so the thing is to be able to recognise these signs, these early warning signs of the of the emotional relapse, like if you can catch it at this point, you've got a much better chance of redirecting your course rather than letting it slip into the next couple of stages, which we'll talk about. But if you can recognise that these are the early warning signs, getting a bit irritable, maybe you're isolating, you've disconnected, you've broken away from your program, this is all warning signs for you, red flags for you. 100%. Also telling yourself you're too busy. I hear that a lot. I was too busy to jump on the call or I was too busy to do the action steps. I was too busy to do my stuff. Bullshit. Call them bullshit. Bullshit. Because <laughs> if it's important to you, you'll do it. 100%. Right? And you wouldn't have been too busy to drink. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, call bullshit on the I'm too busy thing because we're all yeah. busy but we still make time for ourselves. You know, even so I didn't do my meditation yesterday. Because mm-hmm. I was dog tired, I hardly slept, and that's usually I sh- should do it. Like usually I do yoga nidra or something like that if I haven't had much sleep, and I didn't. And today I noticed, started to tell myself, "Don't do it." Just start again on Monday. Mm-hmm. I thought, "Oh, this is interesting." Mm-hmm. So of course I just watched, I just watched, and was aware of what was my mind was doing. Just witnessed that, and then sat down in my chair, and off I went. I meditated. <laughs> I felt yeah. great afterwards. But you've got to watch the mind. It's so sneaky in there. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. So talk to me about number two. 
sorry, just before we go on to number two, I guess firstly, people might be asking at this point, well, if I've recognised that I am maybe having an emotional relapse, what can I do at this point? So the obvious things are pick up the phone, speak to somebody about it, get back involved, pick up, pick back up with your daily routine, get reconnected again, talk about what's going on. I think talking to somebody else, especially somebody else in recovery, is possibly the best thing that you can do and just get reconnected. And the biggest thing is to make sure that you're not, yeah, falling into that self-pity and the and the shame because, like you said, that shame is going to keep you stuck in that. You want to just acknowledge it and go, okay, this yeah. is okay. I've had a bit of an emotional relapse, I think. That's okay. I'm aware of it. Everything, all change starts with awareness, right? So I'm aware of, aware of it. That's great. And now I need to do something about it and just get back on the horse. Absolutely. And, and just having conversation with someone, it's, you don't even have to say, oh, I think I'm having an emotional relapse, but you can just no. pick up the call like you and I do and just start waxing lyrical about sobriety. <laughs> the other week when Ben and I did this, Ben Schiller and I, we just did this episode on the alcohol use disorder on the spectrum mm-hmm. of that. It was really mm-hmm. interesting. And he was saying, oh, God, Danny, this is so good for me because he's been super busy and hadn't been to as many meetings as what he normally does. He just said, and he said on the podcast as well, this has been really good for me just to actually look at all this again and remember and just sort of keeps you on track, Mm -hmm. just having conversations. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, awesome. Love it. Yeah. So the next stage then of the relapse, if we haven't picked it up at at this point of the emotional relapse, the next stage is what is called the mental relapse. So this is where we are starting to think about drinking. So the emotional unmanageability is getting worse. We're getting really irritable with people. We're definitely the self-care and the work has has probably fully dropped off at this point, if there was any previously. And then we're starting to think about drinking. So this is when we're starting to bargain with ourselves. We're starting to think that drinking is going to be a good idea. The signs of this are things like we're starting to have cravings as well for a drink. We're starting to romanticise the drink. We're really putting to the forefront of our mind all of those good times that we had with the booze and all that sort of thing. Oh, I can just do it at weddings. Oh, I can just do it at weddings. I'll be able to have one now because I've had X amount of time off the booze, so it'll be okay to just have one. I'll be all right. I've got this thing under control. We're starting to bargain with ourselves. We're starting to lie to ourselves and to other people. We're making arrangements with ourselves. So still not picking up a drink at this point, but definitely like this is where we're, yeah, thinking about drinking and starting to do all the bargaining and the agree, you know, trying to make the agreements and oh well if I just have a drink, maybe I'll just have a drink tonight and then I'll get back on the track. I won't because I've gotten sober before, so I'll be able to do it again, but I'll just have oh. this one night. Oh <laughs> yes, nailing it here. Hey, this is really interesting too, because most people ding 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 might be having these little light bulb moments because mm-hmm. they're starting They've started to bargain with themselves and I hear it all the time. Danny, do you think I could just have one at a party? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm starting to think I could just have one now. Mm -hmm. You know, I hear it so much. But if you are in that place, ask yourself, okay, if I'm here at number two, have I been there at number one? Have I disconnected previously? Have I stopped doing the work? Am I starting to get a little bit emotionally shitty? Is my thinking getting a bit shitty? And just see. Just see if they're kind of marrying up here because yeah. I think people will be listening to this going, oh, no, mm-hmm. no. I see your pattern. No. <laughs> Every gulp. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And what I would say to anyone listening as well and, and particularly anyone who maybe has got a bit of a, a history with relapse, 
try and stop and have a think about what was going on prior to you picking up the drink the last time. So especially if you had a bit of a period off the booze, just try and stop and think about what was going on leading up to in those weeks and months leading up to picking up a drink last time and how were you feeling at that time? How was your mental state? Were you doing any work? What was going on for you? How Were you connected with people or were you disconnected? What was going on leading up to that? Because this this stuff, this emotional relapse and the mental relapse, like this, these phases can go on for weeks or sometimes even months before we actually get to picking up a drink. Mm. Um, so it's a lot of like what was going on prior to that? What was going on leading up to that point of picking up a drink? How was I feeling at that time? What was my emotion, emotional state like? 100%. How was, how was my self-care looking? Those sorts of things, asking yourself those sorts of things. Absolutely. and. This is really cool too. If you're starting, if you're listening to this and going, oh, gulp, if you've taken a big gulp, (laughs) (laughs) this is me, don't get all freaked out. Get excited. Go, Mm -hmm. ah, that's what's happening to me. I got it. Righto. Okay. Back on track. Like get really excited about it because to me, I think this is really exciting stuff. If you can catch yourself before you get there. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And these are all warning signs. These are red flags here. These are the, the the signs on the road that are warning you that there's danger ahead. So if you can pick up on these and, and start mm. to notice these, definitely if you, again and, and again when you get to this emotion, uh, sorry, the mental relapse stage, it doesn't mean that you're going to drink. Again, if we can recognize this at this point and try and do something about it, having the awareness is the first part. So if we can recognize that we're in this stage and again if you are one of those people that's just had the big gulp moment pick up the phone call someone call someone else who's in recovery it might be a good time if you're in AO obviously get yourself back to a meeting call your sponsor do all those things if it's someone in how I could alcohol community or even just a general sober community you know maybe it's time to book in for maybe a coaching call with a sober coach or to have a look at what else you can do to to really work on your recovery because it like we've talked about at the start of this call, all of this stuff like is not about the drinking. We're tr- we're trying to soothe here, and there's mm. stuff that's going on with the emotional uh, state that that is getting us to this place. So there's work to do. Hundred percent. Yeah. There's work to do here. Yeah, yeah. And it's a great time to, like I say, dig in and really go. Okay, all right. Okay, here's the right, here's the warning signs. This just means I've got to do something, whatever that is. Yeah. But exactly. lean into my practices or or get, yeah, go see a therapist or a coach or something. Awesome. And so the third stage of the relapse is the physical relapse. So this is where we're drinking. So this is where we're picking up a drink. So, you know, we've gone through uh, all of these stages. So obviously there's the, the emotional relapse stage. We're not thinking about drinking. It's just that we're getting a bit irritable and the, we're getting a bit unmanageable emotionally. The mental stage, we are starting to think about drinking and then the physical stage is where we actually pick up a drink. Good question. What about people that drink just because they were really excited and in the moment and they were just like, oh, my God, like everyone was there and and I just felt so joyous and I want to keep that joy going? I would definitely still say that there's stuff that has been going on leading up to prior to that point of just mm. being excited. So I would still say, right. like, have a look at what is has been going on in the weeks and months leading up to that point of being in that situation where you're excited and you want to have a drink. Because it, it's still, mm. if you're working a really good program, 
you're not going to just get to just one day magically be in a social situation where you go, oh, yeah, I was excited and I just want to have a drink. There's stuff that's been going on prior to that. Like you and I know, Danny, if you and I went to a party today where there were a whole bunch of people drinking, we wouldn't go, well, I was excited and I wanted to have a drink because we we work this stuff. We have a program to, yep. to work on this stuff. But if you're not working on this stuff and you, I'd still say go back and have a look at these stages and where you've, where you've been in the last weeks and months leading up to that point. I think it's really important to be very honest with yourself as well. Like you have to be honest. Like you can't say, oh, yeah, but I, I was going to meetings. But you can still be going to meetings or you can still be going to the Zoom calls or attending your whatever it is that you're doing. But if you're still not quite committed to, like, I think that's, you've got to be fully committed in this also. But going back to what you said before about being committed as well, this is really important also. And I shared in an an AA meeting this morning on how I recognized when I was in the first couple of years in recovery, I had a sponsor and I was trying to go through the step work. And as we were going through the steps, we got up to a certain step and I would just procrastinate on that for months. And my sponsor was like, what's going on, Lindell? What's going on, Lindell? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I just haven't done it yet. I just haven't done it yet. Da, 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 whatever. And then I eventually just scribbled some stuff down on paper just to kind of appease her, basically, get her off my back. And then we get up to another step and I'm like, and then I stalled on that again and procrastinated. And she's like, what's going on, Lindell? You've got to keep moving with this, da, da, da. And what I was sharing on this morning in the meeting is at the time, I really thought that I really wanted to get sober and I really wanted, I was trying really hard to do all the stuff and to work my program. But I can see now, and hindsight's always a great thing, but I can very clearly see now that I actually didn't really want to stop drinking back then in those first couple of years. I just wanted mm. all of the consequences of my drinking to go away. So I thought mm. that AA was the best thing that I had to do in order for that to happen. But I didn't, deep down, I actually really didn't want to stop drinking. I was still probably deluding myself in thinking that one day I was going to be able to control it or whatever, you know, to moderate, whatever. And I was fighting against that. And so Mm. I wasn't 100% committed, even though if you had have asked me at the time, I would have said that I thought that I was. Uh, Mm. I can see clearly now that I just, I, I really didn't actually want to stop drinking. I just wanted the consequences to go away. And then after that last relapse, mm. obviously, as I've talked about, it's been well documented on this podcast, you know, everything changed for me after that. And I became willing to do whatever it took to get sober. And so that's when I really dug into the program and I did your How I Could Alcohol Challenge and it, yeah, everything changed after that. But I think also if you're, particularly if you're, uh, if you're sort of chronically relapsing, I'd ask yourself, and exactly as you said, Danny, you've got to be really brutally honest with this stuff, like really asking my, asking yourself, like, do, is this what I really want? Am I doing this because I really want to get sober and I want to be well? Or am I doing this because I feel like it's something that I have to do because I'm yeah. worried about losing a partner or losing kids or whatever? Um, 100%. You've got to want to do it. You have to really want to do it. Just signing up for a program, doesn't matter what the program, but signing onto a program is not going to quit alcohol for you. You have to get behind it and and want it enough to commit yourself to the program. I actually believe too, it doesn't matter what program you do. Like it doesn't actually matter. What matters is your commitment and your intent to want to stop. So whether it's AA, if it's mine, if it's another course, and I don't think either that there's any amazing coach that's going to make you stop. It doesn't matter unless they're complete rubbish, the coach. 
or therapist, but it's, it doesn't matter actually at the end of the day. What matters is you. You're mm-hmm. the one that's got to do the quitting, not your coach, not your program. You have to do it. So you have to want it. Absolutely. You have to fucking want it. And you've got to understand there's going to be nights. I was talking to you about this the other day. There's going to be nights that you're fucking lonely. Mm-hmm. There's going to be nights you feel cut because your friends don't invite you out anymore. And there's going to be nights that you feel bored or you feel boring. There's going to be nights where and days where you don't know what to do with yourself and mm. you feel emotional pain. And that's all right because we've all been there and we've done it and we've had to do it and we get through it. But if your intent and your commitment is there, you won't fucking pick up a drink. Yeah. 100%. Definitely. And it's like Ash talks about that 100% commitment. If you're only 99% committed, there's 1% of you that's not. And you need to be 100% in. But you also need to be 100% in for yourself. How many times, Danny, have we heard people say, I really need to do this for my partner or for my kids or for my family or because of whatever? No. You need to be doing this for yourself mm. and it needs to be something that you really want, like you really, really want it. Yeah, you've got to love yourself enough to do it too. There's got to be this part of you, we talk about that in the challenge, mm. there's a part of you that loves you enough to get you here and that's the part that you kind of end up connecting with eventually that you go, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. anyway, right, we're digressing. This is amazing. So the emotional relapse, the mental relapse, and then the physical relapse, the actual mm-hmm. picking up and doing the drink. Now, if you stay committed to no matter fucking what, just like if you want to quit drinking, don't put a fucking drink to your lips. Yeah. End of fucking story. Like I know that sounds harsh, but if you don't want to drink, don't fucking drink. <laughs> it is as simple as that. You do whatever you have to do to not drink. You go through all those things that we just said are uncomfortable. You fucking go out and you run. You get in your cold shower. You do all those things that you need to do, but you just don't fucking do it. No yes. matter what, and you can, and you listen to this fucking, you save this episode and listen to it over and over yes. and over again. The physical relapse, that's when it all goes to shit, really, mm. you know, and it's it's true, you can learn and all the rest of it, but just don't fucking get yourself there. You can still learn back at number one here. Absolutely. You don't need to get to the physical relapse to to learn. That's right, and, the, and this is why the, I was so excited to talk about this today because if people can start to understand and see those early warning signs, you've got a much better chance of correcting the course if you can get to it at that early stage having said that of course if you do relapse it's not the end of the world it doesn't mean that you can't get sober again and like we said there's just there's always people that are there to help there's always people that you can call there's always things that you can do and there's always people that in this sober community no one's going to judge every time I walked back into AA after having a relapse in those first couple of years people were like open arms hugging me we're so glad you're here Lindell yeah no no one ever once said to me well you're fucking hopeless you're never going to get this Lindell you may as well not bother like no one said anything like that they're just like we we're so glad you're here we're glad you're back like when you relapse that time and then you said and then you were getting back on track it was just like oh thank god thank god that's all anyone cares about Mm -hmm. is that you're, you're back and that you're getting yourself better again exactly And sitting through all of the discomfort, there's a lot of discomfort in early sobriety. I would say that my first 12 months were just fucking brutal. Like it's hard. It's hard because we, for such a long time, we've relied on the booze to give us that sense of ease and comfort and to help us to escape from the shit that's going on in our head and the shit that's going on in our life. And this is one of the biggest things that you teach in the How I Quit Alcohol Challenge, Danny, is 
about sitting with this discomfort and I was ha- I was talking to a, a member at a meeting a couple of days ago and she's about four months sober and she's feeling that pain of early sobriety. She's like, and she's saying to me, she's like, it's just fucked. I'm like, I feel like I want to kill everyone and I'm just so angry and I'm like, this is shit. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. And I said, I know, I know, babe, because I've been there. And I said, but, you know, this is your challenge. You need to sit with this discomfort. And I said, this discomfort is not going to kill you, but you're drinking right. And she was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Very true, babe. So true. And the other thing I'll just add to that too is that there's no growth happens in a comfort zone. So if you're drinking and just to keep yourself in your comfy little cushy emotional state that you think, which you actually not because usually the next day you feel like shit anyway, but no growth is happening there. No growth. We've got to grow, right? That's just our purpose of being here on this earth is to grow as humans. So you, you can't grow when you're sort of there in your comfort zone. You've got to get out of it to expand. And you've got to do things differently. You've got to yeah. do things differently. Like I often say, like I, for me to recover, like I pretty much need to do the opposite of everything that I was doing in my drinking. I've got to do things differently. I've got to get uncomfortable. I've got to do things that I don't want to do. Being in a 12-step program, I've had to do a lot of shit that I really don't want to fucking do. <laughs> yeah. And you've got to, you've got to do things differently. Absolutely. As the brilliant Wayne says, you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've yeah, always got. got. That's right. Love you, Wayne. And again, this is why it's so important to understand that it's getting sober is not just about putting down the alcohol. Getting sober is about you've got to really change. There's got to be fundamental shifts in the way that you think and the way you respond to life and your attitude to life and your approach. Like it's it's all got to change. Absolutely. 100%, babe, 100%. And really you've got to understand why. Like we said at the start, you've got to understand why you're drinking in the first place, what you're trying to avoid. Or what you're trying to what you're trying to get out of it is going to help you a lot if you can understand that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you, my sweetheart, darling. That was was great to catch up, and I really appreciate your time and giving up your Saturday to chat about this stuff. It's so great. So if people, I'll put in the show notes, of course, if people want to contact you. And Lyndall does run a great 30 day relapse program and is also available mm-hmm. for coaching for one on one sessions. So I would highly recommend those. I've also got a new challenge. It's open up for registration now for October, which will be October. Yay. And I know it's very exciting. I can't wait for that. We've got other things in the pipeline. Mark Purse and I have a, a Bali retreat coming up again next year. The first awesome. one's sold out. Awesome. The second one's there. There's a few spots left for there. And it was great having you on that retreat. Yes. Yeah, that was incredible. Really beautiful retreat it's a great way to go and be with a, a bunch of like-minded people and work on some healing and in a beautiful spot like Bali I mean wow yeah, yeah. and it's nice to have that condensed time mm-hmm. I think too just to have no other distractions and just get to work on yourself purely and wholly for the, those five days I think is really nice anyway so there's lots of things there's lots of offerings out there yeah. so yeah everything will be there in the show notes and yeah again Lyndall Lyndall Hunt Thank you so much, darling. And Thank um, you. Thanks for, um, our, you know, I love talking about this stuff because I want everyone to get a taste of sobriety because my life is, like I've talked about before, my life is incredible these days compared to when I was drinking and I want everyone to have a taste of this. So I could bang on a bit about this stuff for days. But, um, yeah, thank you for having me on again. Uh, I really appreciate it. And, yeah, I will see you soon.
Love you, darling. I'm going to get you back on soon to talk about sober dating. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. There should be some doozies to share there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a really good uh, drunken sober story, but I wasn't the one that was really drunk. (laughs) Great. Looking forward to that episode. Uh, See you, gorgeous. Bye, darling. Have a great day. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.